the Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion. So welcome back to the Russick Outlook. Uh, as many of you know, or at least if you were listening to the first part, we're talking about Jesus, politics, and the church, spiritual battles in high places. This is section two of this uh, of this podcast or videocast, if you will. Um, but in this section, we're going to talk about the separation of church and state, what the history is behind that, and how that came to be. Um, please listen to the first section if you get a chance. If you haven't, I kind of laid out the the foundation of this country, the Christian principles, the overwhelming evidence to the biblical foundation of this country, how this government was put into place, but also referencing the uh, um, the structural government that existed in Jesus' day, uh, some in the Old Testament, and the influence and the fact that with this is a spiritual battle, that we're engaged in a spiritual battle, and that Satan strategically uses certain geographical locations uh, to advance his purposes, to advance his kingdom. So that's really what we're going to be de- diving into. And, and the reason for this, too, is um, wherever, you know, when you talk about politics today, they constantly cite separation of church and state, separation of church and state. So when I talk to various people, I get the feeling that they don't really understand or are familiar with what is the basis for that, that people get intimidated and that they can't talk about religion and politics in, at the same time. So hope you'll join us. If you're on social media, please hit the subscribe or like button. Love to have you on the email list. But let's, let's, let, let's dig in and dive in, if you will. So I fast forward to the 20th century. Most people here, I've got a, uh, a montage of video images for, for, for those of you who are watching or if you're listening on podcast. It's of Billy Graham. And Billy Graham, as everybody knows, is considered one of the greatest American evangelists. Um, here he's shown meeting with all the tru- uh, trumpets, all of the presidents from Truman through Trump. So trumpets from Truman to Trump. Um, so anyway, starting with Harry Truman to Eisenhower, Kennedy, uh, Lyndon Johnson, Richard Nixon, Ford, uh, Carter, Reagan, and the next one where he's talking with um, uh, President George Bush Sr., President George Bush Jr., President Clinton, President Obama, and finally President uh, Trump. So, and, and also um, with, uh, with President uh, Bush Jr. and President Obama and President Trump, Franklin Graham is, is shown in these pictures as he's about to take the mantle from his father for running this ministry. But my point here is it was considered normal. It was considered part of our everyday culture that um, ministers were not only permitted, but it, they, they were encouraged to engage and to pray with and to counsel with various presidents. And, and all, this would ring true with, with senators and congresspeople and their staffs, even down to the state and the local level. Um, and and also to the Supreme Court and the justices of the land. This kind of thing was considered the norm. And what concerns me is uh, Billy Graham, if, if he was preaching today, if you think about a lot of his sermons, he would be ostracized in many cities today. Um, he would be criticized by many members on the media because he would have the audacity to say that the only way th- uh, to the Father is through the Son, through Jesus Christ. Um, he encouraged people to repent and to and, and ask for forgiveness and accept Jesus as Lord. 
he would always say, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says. And, and you know, people who say that today, if, if, if they're on various newscasts or media or Internet, you know, they're, they're publicly flogged in some instances or some of these other social media um, organizations. So how did this come to be? And this happened fast. So, uh, you know, I, again, I'm, I'm giving you one example with um, uh, the Graham family, but there's countless other examples. So... As I kind of uh, um, wanted to concentrate on the separation of church and state, let's look at that. Separation of church and state came about because there was a Baptist church in Danbury, Connecticut, that was concerned that our administration was moving towards a national religion. Again, they were moving away from the Church of England, so they wrote a letter to Jefferson um, voicing their concerns. Jefferson responds... This isn't a letter. It's, it, it's out there for the public. But this is the, the foundation of church and state. This is where these people have grossly twisted and contorted this. He writes, uh, Jefferson assures them that the separation of church and state, all states are free to pursue their own religions and church affiliation without the fear of government reprisal. This isn't only true of the Christian state. This is uh, Christian church. So, you know, you could be a Hindu, a Muslim, a Baptist, uh, um, a a Jewish, or you could be, uh, you know, agnostic, atheist. It didn't matter. You were to pursue, free to pursue your own way. The separation of church and state was intended to provide freedom of religion, not freedom from religion. This is what the progressives are trying to point out today. This is what they stick on because they don't want the influence of God in their society. They don't want you talking about God. This was intended to protect the church from the state, not the other way around, not the way these people are twisting and contorting this today. So I I hide some different examples here um, on, on the graphs. In 1962, prayer was removed from the schools. And in that time, in the next 30 years, here's graphs showing violent crime skyrockets, single parent households skyrockets, premarital sex skyrockets. Uh, birth rates from, from women from 15 to 19 skyrockets. The flip side, SAT scores, education, they plummet dr- dramatically. I'm talking about 140, 150 d- degree increases on these graph scales. So, I mean, this it, it, it clearly points out our own demise based upon man's decision to try to remove God from, from, uh, from the public square. Um, Individual prayer and Bible reading in public schools was banned, and it got so bad that it was determined in 65 court case that a child could only silently pray if no one could tell that he was praying. Imagine that, silently pray as long as we can't tell that you're praying. So from that, we go to 1954, Lyndon Johnson. So he's running for for the Senate, and he's having a hard time. He's not getting the votes from the uh, various lay ministry of the various people in the pulpits. So he wants to threaten them. And how does he do it? So there's something called a 501c3, which is a non-for-profit status. That's what most churches uh, operate under, as well as many, many other um, charitable organizations. And really what this is, is amongst other things, you can give to these foundations or give to these organizations, churches, charities, ministries, and it becomes tax deductible. So what does Lyndon Johnson do? He says, if you have to stop speaking about politics, stop talking about the politicians and the policies, and if you don't, we're going to take away your 501c 
three status. We're going to shut you down. We're going to, we're, 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 we're not going to open that uh, umbrella. We're going to, we're going to cover it. So again, this is the government coming into the pulpit, threatening to shut them down. Sadly, you know, that's where I think most people really started to, to, it starts to escalate that the church has such little influence in the government, because the government has a tremendous influence in the culture, but the church laid silent and dormant in this. I give an example here of a mayor, uh, Anise Parker, who was the mayor of Houston, roughly 2015, um, she, she's a lesbian shown here in the picture dancing with her lesbian lover, um, which that's her business. That's, she's certainly free to do that. But what she did was she found out that she, or she thought at least, that some of these churches were preaching against homosexuality, that it was a sin. Even though it's in the Bible, if you're preaching it, she wanted to threaten you. She wanted to shut you down and take away your 501c3 status. And let me just say that if you take that away, uh, the way the books are written, I'm not an accountant, but for the most part, you'll it's going to be incredibly difficult to recoup whatever um, finances or whatever value that you have in that organization. For instance, if you wanted to go from a 501c3 to perhaps an LLC or uh, a corporation or an S-Corp or so forth. So she wanted to threaten you, so she demanded sermons that she wanted to uh, record it and, and distributed to the mayor's office. And um, I was I was delighted to see that many of these church ministers gladly recorded them and they sent them, you know, I think she asked for one or two weeks, but they flooded the mayor's office with all of the sermons. Um, and that's because, you know, here you see that the, 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 the ministry has a backbone. They're not cowering under, um, uh, um, what's the word? I, I forget the word I want. Political correctness, two words, I'm sorry. Uh, fast forward to 2017, I've got an image on the video here of President Trump signing an order removing this Johnson Amendment. Um, and specifically, he says and, and writes that the Department of Treasury should not take any adverse action against any individual, house of worship, or other religious organization because the individual or organization speaks on moral or political issues from a religious perspective. So he's given the freedom for the churches if they say, hey, we want to evaluate uh, the different candidates' policies. We want to look at the Democrats' policies and the Republicans' policies, whether it's a mayor in a local town or a senator or a congressman or a president. They had the freedom to do that. Will most churches do it? Many won't today. They'll still cower. They still won't care. But many, I will say, have the, have the backbone because they know what's at stake here. They know that the government's trying to infiltrate them, and they have the backbone to be able to stand up against this. So how could we talk about the government invading the church without talking about abortion? That's obviously the number one topic when it comes to looking at a candidate's policies and the number one concern, I would say, overwhelmingly from the church uh, or one of the top, the, the, the top subjects, if you will. And, and why? And if you look at, since this law was, was passed in Roe v. Wade, 60 million babies have been aborted. Um, interestingly, Norm McCur Norma McCurvey, McCurvey I, I think it is, she was the plaintiff in this case, and to this day she regrets ever having been involved in it. She's become a staunch leader for the pro-life movement. 
Um, and a lot of what they're fighting is is the Democrats, and make no bones about it. And, and I will say, come right here, come right out with it. The Democrats support abortion. It's gotten so bad that when this law was passed, and I was growing up, you could abort a baby in the first trimester only, from the first three months. But today, the Democrats continue to push and push. It's like the 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 goal line keeps moving forward to the point where you can now kill a baby up through the ninth month and into the birth. As a matter of fact, it's on the books now in New York State that if the baby is born after having been aborted and lives, you can still kill him. And and the sickness of these people is Governor Cuomo in Albany celebrated this. They were giving each other, his, his staff and the assembly people there, giving each other high fives, clapping. The Empire State Building was lit up. Why? Because they were celebrating the death of babies. And I, I don't care what you say. This is not a blob. This is not a fetus. This is a baby. And anybody with, with two open eyes and, and an honest, objective look at it knows. As a matter of fact, um, 51% of Americans today, between 30 to 49, which is a crucial um, age group, they recognize and they've become pro-life. They see the sickness and the depravity that's crept into this nation. And, you know, I, I cite here Planned Parenthood, which is nothing more than a money laundering uh, abortion factory for the Democrats. If, if they can somehow or magically donate $6 million, $10 million to political organizations, and they're a non-for-profit, but yeah, this is about a woman's health. If you believe that, I have a bridge to sell you because I live in New York and I know where Brooklyn is. Um, and then today, we know from the last couple of years, they're, they're destroying and killing these babies. They're tailoring the abortion based upon the organs that are on the black market for it. Um, and, in other words, and we've got videos showing of this. You can look online. It's easy enough to find. Uh, they'll tailor the ab- abortion if they would need a brain, if they need a kidney, if they need a liver, or certain tissues. This is how sick they've become. And I will say, whether you like President Trump or not, um, he is sticking up for the Christian church. He is sticking up for life. He's been by far overwhelmingly the most pro-life president we've ever had. Pro-life administration, the vice president, and members of his cabinet are unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He writes here, and I cite uh, on the video, he said, I signed a letter to Congress to make clear that if they send any legislation to my desk that weakens the protection of human life, I will issue a veto. Get this. He says, every child is a sacred gift from God. Every life is worth protecting. Boy, I tell you, that's the kind of leadership that we need. But sadly, you know, many of these churches and Christians, they, they don't like his style or, you know, he's too abrasive. Give me a break. Is he getting the job done? Um, I also cite some other examples here of ministries that were attacked because uh, they went against uh, the Affordable Care Act, or what's also called Obamacare, where they demanded that their funds be contributed to uh, public abortions, to uh, contraception. And here I have a picture of the Sisters of the Poor after the Obama administration uh, sued them. They went to the Supreme Court and won. They went after the Billy Graham uh, um, Association, uh, James Dobson, and many, many others. There were targets on their backs that the, that President Obama and his administration targeted the Christians. They were trying to silence them. They were trying to keep them quiet, and they used the IRS as a weapon against them. Uh, they also supported the... Um, 
uh, Hyde Amendment, with, um, I'm sorry, that went against the Hyde Amendment, where this is a legislative provision barring the use of federal funds to pay for abortion except to save the life of the woman or if the uh, issue of pregnancy arises through incest or rape. So here you see the government's clearly in the face of these babies, clearly in the face of what should be a, a, a foundational mandate that we should be pro-life, where we should be able to support these babies, and that's what they are. They're little innocent children, depending upon the protection of the mother, depending upon uh, the, the insulation in the womb, and how we've just... It, 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 it's, it's unbelievable. And, and how Christians can support candidates and look the other way and say, well, I don't like President Trump's style and he tweets too much. Uh, it, it, it just it blows me away how how shallow people can be. Um, and I'll just cite a scripture here from God where he, he writes in Jeremiah, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you before you were born. I set you apart. Yeah, that means the, no matter who you are, is when you're in your mother's womb, there was a thought, there was a plan, there was a, 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 a book that was written for your life to fulfill. And here these people are playing God, they're taking your life, and it's all about power. And I will say without question, in my mind, this is a obvious satanic influence. It is an attack of evil. And how Christians can just look the other way, it, it just... It, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. I'll get off my soapbox now. So, 2016, before when when President or candidate Trump, I should say, the church did what they were supposed to do. They met with this candidate, and many of them was, and they were very vocal about it. They did not support him. They had their questions about him. They had their hesitations about this rough New York real estate uh, guy, they, this egomaniac, if you will. Um, so they met with him. 100 leading ministers. Uh, of the gospel from various churches, religious organizations, ministries all around the country. And and they came, and I give you a lot of the names that were there, and a lot of the people were, were pretty vocal that they didn't support this president, but they wanted to sit and meet with him. They knew they couldn't support Hillary Clinton. They knew there was no way they could do that. So they had to look at, at, at President or Candidate Trump. Um, matter of fact, I know many of them were supporting Ted Cruz or, or even Rubio. Um, but these ministers met, and in, in the summer of 2016, they were supposed to meet for one hour in a Q&A section. It lasted three hours, and in addition to all the, the uh, question and answers that they got, they took the time to pray. They prayed collectively. They sought the face of God. Is this the candidate that you want? Is this the person that we need to get behind? And they came out in 100% support. This, this you know, and I don't think, this should be overlooked. Here you've got the body of Christ, the leaders, many of the leading spokespeople, if you will. They're not going to just, you know, get behind a candidate because it's, uh, because it's popular. In this case, it was impopular. But they were convinced that they heard from God and they came out in 100% unity. And what were some of the topics they wanted to talk about? Overwhelmingly, they, in, in, in a census or a survey that they took with these men and women, their number one concern was religious liberty. They knew the assault was on the church from, from the past administrations, particularly the Obama administration. He went after the Christians like no other administration had ever done. So they wanted to talk about Supreme Court justices, women in combat, immigration, uh, relationship with Israel, uh, religious persecution, um, the slaughters that were going on to, with the Christians and the Jews uh, in the Middle East. 
um, Islamic terrorism, because remember, ISIS was running rampant, was was just taking over so much territory, you know, by the day at this time. So they prayed and they came out in 100 percent agreement. I don't think this should be overlooked because this is what the, the church should be doing. Are we supporting this person or not? And they and they so they in, interviewed him, if you will. So at the same time, now you've got 20, we're up to 2020, and I wanted to look at some of the opposition because it's, you know, it's pretty easy to see that the world is against Trump, meaning in this country, the, the collective media, the, the industries, the, um, uh, the tech industry, Silicon Valley, uh, you can see, especially in the media, they're using the same buzzwords depending upon the topic. If you can pick up half a dozen different broadcasts and play it the next day, and interestingly enough, they all have the same terms. And if you believe that that's individual thought, then I've got another bridge to sell you. Um, but I also wanted to cite that all of these people, that these major, powerful, powerful financial organizations that are looking to take down this country. Why? Because their agenda is a global organization, is a global government. The United States unquestionably is the number one deterrent that's sitting in the way of a global government. So here you've got the United Nations, and you can look up Agenda 2030, the World Economic Forum. They're fighting to take this country down. They want to remove the U.S. dollar. George Soros and all of his what's called the Open Society Foundations. It's 250 to 300 money laundering non-for-profits that are so uh, insidious and so evil. And you can look up many of his quotes. He considered, he doesn't believe in God, but he considers himself a God. He considers himself a deity. You know, he's basically mocked God. And these are the people that are trying to take Trump down, trying to take the United States down. They meet every year in Davos, Switzerland. Um, you can get maybe 120 to 160 different of the world's leading uh, um, economic individuals, heads of different organizations, bankers, uh, different tech industries, different medical industries, legal industries. Um, and so they all meet and they form this collective agenda. So what happened? Now, we, as we know, we've just been dealing and we're still dealing with COVID and, and the shutdown of the economy, the shutdown of our lifestyles, the way we know it. And it happened like that. Um, and what they're trying to do is take advantage of this and implement this. Now, remember, COVID came about as a man-made virus. It's a biotech weapon. Whether you want to admit it or not, it came from China. We know that. We know it's not man-made. It didn't, I mean, we know it's not natural. It's man-made. Whether it got released intentionally in the timing that they want, I would say is maybe suspect. But like anything, you know, they, they like to use the term, don't waste... Um, uh, I can't think of the word, There's, but don't waste any calamity without taking advantage of it. And that's not the exact phrase, but you get the idea. So George Soros, there's a quote here from him in Davos in 2020. He says the United States ele- U.S. election will determine the fate of the whole world. That's a pretty strong statement coming from one of the most powerful people in the world. And they basically, they need to reset the governance of this United States. They need to take the U.S. dollar down. They need to remove the influence of the United States and the freedom that we, we represent. Um, this is backed by the World Health Organization, backed by the Vatican. And I'll show you how in a second, these, these climate gurus. And if you're watching this on video, you see this is the agenda. You can find this out. They have what's called the Great Reset which is Davos, January 2021. 
And these are the subjects. These are the things they're going after. This is an incredibly sophisticated machine that is, has these things in place. They're working on this now. Um, they, they're, they're talking about world government. Um, I've highlighted some of the things in, in here. Uh, in red, uh, digital economy, a global governance uh, after the media and, and entertainment. They're after the healthcare delivery. Um, they want human rights. They want control of the oceans. They want control of justice and laws. They want to control, control all the different financial and ministry systems. They want to control aerospace. They want to have the influence of the European Union, of China. Um, this is a, a egomaniac of a megalomaniac uh, organization. Um, I, I, I've cited so many different people here, um, but this is what they're about. They want to establish a new world order, and it's called the Great Reset. It's Davos 2021, January. We're in October 2020 as I'm recording this. So you can see this is right around the corner. It's in plain sight, but yet I will say much of the church is asleep. Not all, and I'm going to actually, I'm, I'm, I'm proud that so many of the, of the churches around the United States and with the prayer and, and, the, and the guts and the courage of other churches assisting us, you know, they're after what is the spirit of God speaking to us at this time as we get on our knees, as, as we, we seek his face, as we repent, because this is the evil that's facing us. This is the evil that's coming not only after this country, but it's coming after the church. So in this uh, next slide, I, I just want to point out some comments. They invited, interesting enough, they invited Donald Trump to Davos in 2020. And um, I guarantee you that's the last time he's going to be invited. But he, I want to read you an exact quote of what he wrote, of what he spoke to in, in the group. He, so he's, he's, he's uh, speaking in front of all of these 120 to 160 world leaders. And he says, we are committed to conserving the majesty of God's creation and the natural beauty of our world. But to embrace the possibilities of tomorrow, we must reject the perennial prophets of doom, their predictions of the apocalypse. These alarmists always demand the same thing, absolute power to dominate, transform, and control every aspect of our lives. We will never let radical socialists destroy our economy or destroy our country. So he's pretty much, as a New Yorker, getting in their face saying, you, I know what you're about, I know the evil that you represent, and you're not going to take us down. He, before that, was in the United Nations in September of 2019, and he, he says, and I quote, unquote, wise leaders always put the good of their own people and their own country first. The future does not belong to the globalists. The future belongs to patriots. So here again, he's sticking up for the United States. He's got the backbone. Does the church have the backbone? George Soros in Davos in 2018, he writes or speaks to them and says, I consider President Trump a danger to the world that will disappear in 2020. So when you see all of this going on, trying to take him down, this is the organizations that are behind the takedown of him. You know, all of this Russia gate and the impeachment and all the fantasy stuff uh, of, of and, and sadly, so many people just kind of fall in line and, oh, yeah, he's a puppet of Putin and, and all this nonsense. Um, but this is a highly orchestrated machine. Um, Obama's shadow government trying to take him. Imagine an American president trying to take down an incoming American president. That's what we're living in. That's what people need to open up their eyes, that these people use the, the intelligence agencies to weaponize an incoming administration. Why? Because it wasn't the baton passed to Clinton. 
It was a gross interruption to their plans. Um, Jeffrey Sachs, I, I have here with the Vatican. Somehow, magically, he's now an economic advisor with the Vatican. This is a ardent abortion supporter. Uh, he's a Bernie Sanders economic supporter. This guy, he's a piece of cake. And yet he's chummy chummy with the religious leaders. Notice that, you know, what we talked about earlier. Um, and he, 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 spoke at the uh, at the conference, and he said in 2020, it is a dangerous country right now, meaning the United States, and mindless, needless to say, he's an American. It will absolutely be dangerous if Trump wins re-election. In other words, we need to do everything we need to do to tr- take Trump down. Um, I also cite here the Rules for Radicals, which is their playbook. Saul Linsky, the author of this, who does he dedicate his book to? Satan, I have the quote written here, lest we forget an over-the-shoulder acknowledgement um, to the first radical known to man who rebelled against the establishment and did it so effectively that it led to his own king, winning his own kingdom, Lucifer. This is who these people are serving. This is whether they're doing it consciously or subconsciously or, or, or in, intentionally or unintentionally, this is who they're serving. Um, I looked at great authority. I wanted to see what that meant in the Bible. In Revelation 13, 2, uh, the Apostle John writes, The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear and the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. So when you're talking about a great authority, which is a global economic system, a global health system, a global uh, um, um, mandate for a global religion, uh, a universal vaccine, and I would say even the United States, the Federal Reserve, that's an unconstitutional global authority. That is a mark or a characteristic of the Antichrist. I, and you can say that's crazy. I, I, it's very easy for me to interpret it when I look at it through the lens of Scripture. I want to give you here an, uh, um, a framework, if you will, that's already in place that can be easily implemented. And I'm going to cite here the cloud. In, in other words, if Donald Trump was to lose this next election, how they are ready to roll the Great Reset out in Davos 2021, um, they have the infrastructure already in place that ties in geographically from all the different continents. And you can do this through existing technology. You can, through satellite, through fiber, through 5G, um, what they can do, and you can do all the research you want. There's plenty of information out there about the nefarious vaccine and all the different elements and the components that are in these vaccines that will, number one, it will alter your DNA. And if that doesn't scare the hell out of you, I don't know what does. And you see Bill Gates, you know, he's been on everywhere for so long saying we have to get everybody vaccinated, everybody vaccinated over the next 18 months. And what can they do in this vaccination? They can track you. So just like I can um, uh, say I have an Apple Watch and I want to buy something, I can show them my watch, boom, I got the product. Why? Because they have my uh, financial information in the cloud in, in within Apple's system. But it's a cloud-based uh, system that, that ties in automatically wirelessly to wherever I am and to whatever institution I need to tie into. Um, so they want to vaccinate you with, please look up um, uh, Bill Gates and, and this, this global vaccine. But somehow or another, this giant software guru becomes an expert on the world's health. Uh, I give you an example of how this can work. You know, I'm not saying this is the exact model, but this can easily be implemented and it can be turned into a turnkey 
uh, um, system, total, totalitarianism system, uh, where it can 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 um, manip- not manipulate. Um, it can move and 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 uh, work within the data that's received anywhere in the world and transfer it to anywhere in the world for a government, for an economy, for a religion, for the vaccine. So they want to take this vaccine. They want you to um, to put it into you. And they, notice, interestingly, they want it in your forehead or they want it in your hand or wrist. Um, so think of it as an operating system. I give you an example of a Windows operating system. It's got to be a Windows operating system. But much like uh, an operating system, you have different programs in it. So these programs will come down and they'll you'll have that in you. And just like we know that there are viruses and there are updates, there are firmware updates, new software, new things, because they've got you registered, because they've got that chip in you, they can now download into you whatever they need to. So I give you an example, you know, of how a virus, antivirus would go into you, but it's the same thing. And the, the other aspect and alarming aspect of this is, and they're working on this now, this is in place, where people, if, you're, if you don't take the vaccine, they'll know you don't. And so you can go anywhere in the world and they'll know whether you have it or not. And let's say that you choose not to. I'm not going to take that vaccine. They're, they have the right to go in and take your children because they'll say that you're potentially harming the children. And they can take them to camps. They can take them to a FEMA camp in this country. They can take them wherever they, they need to. So this structure, this backbone, this technology exists today. They can implement this today. I cite some different uh, industries that are using it. Advertising, marketing, education, energy, financial services, government, healthcare, media, entertainment, uh, power and utilities companies, telecom companies, travel companies. Uh, they're, they're all using it. This is all in the cloud. The infrastructure is there. I give you an example with Amazon, Apple, the different uh, tech industries, but you know it doesn't have to be them. I'm just trying to point out that the system is in place, the technology is there. If this happened, they can roll this out in 18 to 24 months. It may be a rough rollout, but they can do it. The infrastructure is already there. That should be a great alarm as well. And it should be even a greater alarm for the church and for the, for the bells in the church to be ringing. Um, I wanted to look at what I consider the the predominant image of of, of our time here. Uh, if I look at 2020, and I you know what always sticks out to me is President Trump standing in front of St. John's Parish, holding up a Bible. And to me, it's clearly evident. He says the churches is an essential organization. The churches should be open. And, and to me, this is a call for prayer. This is a message to the churches to be praying. And sadly enough, there are many church leaders who just didn't get it. They didn't acknowledge that the president of the United States is fighting for the church. And what does the church do? Not, not all. I'm not saying all. But many in the church, they, they, they were weak-kneed. They were Pollyanna uh, pacifists in the face of the biggest struggle that we're, we're, we're encountering right now with COVID-19. So I, I cite all the different things just in this past year of what he's uh, undergone. Um, you know, from the, uh, the the remove Trump through the um, uh, different things that were happening to the investigations, to the Mueller investigation. I cite here a picture of Judge Kavanaugh and the absolute insanity. Um, why? Because babies' lives uh, are, are threatened to be won. That the death of these babies, which is satanic in nature, um, that's that's on the line. You see all this vote by mail, the fraud that the Democrats are trying to implement. Um, you see all the, the burning of cities, the tearing down of statues, 
uh, the, the, the Antifa, the Black Lives Matter, the, the organization, this Marxist organization. And I will say that when you see all this physical violence in certain areas, I guarantee you there's a spiritual element to it. You can trace that throughout the Bible. Across the globe, each generation faces Satan in the form of a spirit of, a, of an Antichrist, a world domination. It's what are we going to do about it? It's possible to trace the history of battles over states, provinces, cities, neighborhoods. So it, you just open up your eyes. You see what's going on around you. Um, you see the infiltration of Obama's shadow government trying to take down this, incum- uh, this incumbent administration. The in- insidious nefariousness, the, 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 the criminal activity, and they're coming after the church. I just wanted to um, wind up here with what I consider the modern-day world ecclesia, um, I, I, you know, any of these people could be you, but I'm, I'm, I'm delighted. I just threw up a bunch of different images of people in the churches with backbones, with courage, who are fighting for this country, who are fighting for the church, who are fighting for freedom of worship, who are fighting for freedom to preach the, the unfiltered message, the unfiltered gospel of God. Um, I, I, I wanted to this big picture here of a gentleman named Che An. Um, he's got, he's built so many different churches and ministries around the world. He's out in California. Um, that governor's trying to take him down, and John MacArthur and many other churches, they don't want them worshiping. They're trying to stifle the singing. They're trying to stifle the group assembly. They're trying to, they're, they've taken away their, trying to take away their land. But what this guy has done and others, they're, they've taken the governor to court. They're, they're suing the governor because it's unconstitutional. He's got the law in his hands. He's got the the backing of freedom of religion, freedom of speech. This is a federal uh, constitutional right that we have. So he's not laying down and and letting them roll over the churches like many people are. Um, I I just cite so many others, and I I have to mention Mario Murillo um, and and the powerful example that he's been, and I've been a fan of his for over 25 years, but uh, the anointing that's come on him with his blog and his, his, his voice out there has been so instrumental and so important. Uh, Patricia King, um, Dutch and Tim Sheets, uh, Guillermo Maldonado, Mike Bickle, the 24-7 prayer movement. I, I could go on and on. Uh, Joseph Farah, Joel Kahn, Franklin Graham, uh, Lance Walno, uh, Alveda King. This woman just oozes Jesus. A very good friend of mine, uh, Kathy Bixel. She, if you want some more uh, research on this, she did a teaching called The Political Spirit. Please go to her website. It's it's powerful. This was she recorded that in 2016. It's even more relevant to uh, today. But I, I write on here, and I, I in the top of the scripture here it says, "He who scatters before who he, I'm sorry, he who scatters has come up before your face. Man the fort, watch the road, strengthen your flanks, fortify your power mightily." This is in Nahum two one. And and my question is, are you a leader? Do you have areas of influence? So, you know, get use that influence. Get the voice out. Get out what you need to do. Get out who you need to say, who you need to speak to. Because as I threw up a bunch of people that I see that have the backbone and are leading the charge in this country and abroad, it, it easily could be you or I. Um, it, it, so just insert your face into it. Insert others that you know, because there's there's... Thankfully, there's tens of millions of Christians 
praying and interceding on behalf of this upcoming election and on behalf of the rights of the church. Uh, they're strategically placed. Che An, who I mentioned before, he's going to the different battleground states because he's got areas of influence and churches that he's built in these states. We're educating the people. We're educating the Christians on what the policies are, what's at stake here. Uh, they're, they're not afraid to mince words. They're afraid to be bold, to be courageous. So I commend these men and women of, of, of all different ages, and I, I would hope that, you know, if you're listening, that you get the seriousness of this. You get the mandate that this is a, a spiritual battle. Um, and I haven't really even talked about the spiritual battle so much of the Supreme Court, but that's coming with Amy Comey Barrett because that is our, going to be our greatest chance for the, the Roe v. Wade to be potentially overturned because we could have a 5-4-6-3 advantage depending upon how the Chief Justice goes. But we would have the advantage should that ever come up in the courts. Last but not least, I just wanted to say, look at the 2016 presidential election. 80, where the, shocked the world with Trump. 85% of evangelicals voted for Trump. They heard the mandate. They heard the clarion call. 63% of, of Catholics voted for Trump. And today, depending upon the poll, 70 to 80% of Christians identify, uh, um, of Americans identify as a Christian. So I say if you cut that number in half to people who really believe in the Lordship of Christ, so I'm trying to be conservative, that they believe in the gospel's message of salvation for all mankind, if you just cut it in half, cut the number in half, that means that the church has a larger voting potential than any political party, whether it's Democrat or Republican. And, and, and sadly, if you look at 2018, 40 million evangelical Christians did not vote. That is, that, that, that's, that's horrible. So I'm hoping if you hear this, not only in 2020, but beyond, please get out the vote, uh, you know, and vote and, and learn the different policies, learn what's at stake, what, learn what the different men and women are, are supporting, whether it's in the local level, the county level, the state, the federal, because what is at stake? The First Amendment, the Second Amendment, uh, the potential overturn of abortion, China, uh, our, our relationship with Israel. The Democrats want to divide the land of Israel. If you're a Christian, you know the, 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 the implications of that. They're trying to take away your home Bible study. They're trying to eliminate the borders. Why? Because they want more voting power. They want the immigrants to come in. Um, and I guarantee you, if, if, if Biden and Democrats gets in on the federal level, they're, interestingly enough, they're going to stack the courts. They're going to, you know, they're, they're denying it, but you, you, you know that they're saying this because they won't let Christians have that advantage in the courts. So they want to remove the electoral vote. They want infanticide as the law of the land. They want to kill these babies. And I'm not saying that God is a Democrat or a Republican, but what I am saying is that Democrats have left God. They've made it clear that their mandate, it, it, they want to remove God from the equation. So I just encourage you to vote, choose righteously, and, and just get out and get involved. So let me close by thanking you for joining us here on the Russick Outlook. Uh, if you're listening or watching on social media, if you could hit the subscribe or like button if you liked it. Hopefully you did. Uh, at least I hope that you found it challenging, if not for anything else. So again, please, uh, if you have any questions, comments, by all means, you can email me at russickoutlook at gmail.com. Um, and please, if you can, sign up for our email list. Uh, we're not asking for anything. Uh, thank you again for joining, and remember, as always, just my opinion.